just past the midway point in the NBA season. The NBA trade deadline is fast approaching February 9th, and the Hornets are at the very bottom of the Eastern Conference. What does that all mean for Charlotte? We'll go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline and welcome ESPN NBA insider Brian Windhorst. Brian, I was watching the jump yesterday. I, I saw you just came back from Paris and I want to know what was better. Was it the French cuisine or was it the generational prospect in one Victor Wembanyama? Well, I'm not, uh, I don't like uh, fancy food. So I was there for the basketball. It was a really, really excellent learning experience. We'll be having some really good stuff around Victor uh, coming on ESPN. We got so much stuff over the course of a week that we'll be uh, dropping out stuff for, for months here, uh, leading up to the lottery and the draft. Um, but obviously, I mean, at the game I was at, there was at least eight or nine NBA teams represented. There were three uh, general managers at the game, um, just, you know, a Monday night game in the French League. Um, because there's so much interest in him and so many people want to learn about him. He's a very unique prospect. I don't know if he's... Um, you know, you know, I don't know if I would say you can't miss. I think, you know, there's always still some uncertainty, but his size, his skill development, and his mental makeup are all extraordinarily impressive. Well, I mean, Brian, you covered LeBron James for, I mean, damn near his entire basketball life, and you've covered the NBA for a long time. When it comes to the hype and the difference they can make for a franchise, how does Wimby compare to a LeBron as a prospect? Well, he's so much more ahead of him in terms of of development. What I mean by that is, like, when LeBron came into the NBA, he didn't have a, you know, a full-time physical therapist who was doing stretching and, you know, strengthening exercises on him, you know, a couple hours a day because he was in high school, you know. He didn't have a finely tuned jump shot like Wembenyama does. But, you know, he had to learn. If you go back and look at the footage, he, he leaned on his shot. His, his arc was all off. It took him a couple of years, really five, four or five years, to learn how to shoot at a competent level in the NBA. Wembenyama's uh, jumper is absolutely textbook perfect. He's being coached by, you know, the Greg Popovich of France, the, the French national team coach, Vincent Collette, who's five-time French national coach of the year. You couldn't pick a better coach in France to, to, to skill him. So LeBron had an NBA body. He walked in, and really his first year, there was only one player who physically intimidated him. That was Ron Artest. But pretty much LeBron walked in and was able to physically compete. That's where Wembenyama doesn't have the same advantage. But from a develop, And it's not because Le- LeBron needed, wanted for anything. He was in high school. Wembenyama is a professional. And so um, – you know, he is, it's not even really comparable. And it's 20 years later, it shouldn't be. But it's not even comparable, the development aspect of where Victor is now versus where LeBron was at the same age. Brian, Wes Bryant here, and talking about our Charlotte Hornets and mainly our star, LaMelo Ball. What is the league players' perception of LaMelo Ball? Is he seen as a leader, a guy who can lead a team to a championship in the right situation? Yeah, the the view of him is very, very high. People like his makeup. They like the way he plays. I think players want to play with him. I think there is an attraction there. Um, obviously, this season has been totally wrecked by those two, you know, ridiculous ankle injuries. Um, but uh, there's a, a lot of uh, a lot of respect for Lamelo Ball in the NBA, no doubt. 
And Brian, there's a lot of talk, a lot of fear here in Charlotte, a lot of talk amongst people on the outside that one day he could leave or will leave. What are the chances he will pull a historic move and turn down the rookie extension and leave Charlotte? Well, no one's ever done it. Um, no one's ever done it. Uh, I, I think it's highly unlikely that he would turn that down. But I think the problem if you're the Hornets is you have not put players around him. You know, they have had multiple first-round picks uh, in the last couple of years. And, you know, Jalen Duran is showing some signs, you know, but the other picks just haven't, you know, they just, you know, you know, and I know that none of them have been super high picks, but, you know, the Hornets have kind of followed the playbook to try to build around him and gone out in the in the on-draft night and gone and traded for extra picks. And, you know, the Nick Richards move was a nice move, but he's a backup. Um, you know, they just, they haven't hit. They've had four first round draft picks the last two years and they're not, there's not, a, there's, there's nobody there. He says, okay, that's my running mate. And, you know, um, I think they thought that Gordon, you know, they couldn't have predicted Gordon Hayward was going to have these injury problems. Um, I, I was skeptical about that signing at the time, but I mean, I understood why the Hornets were doing it and it's just, it's been terrible. And the guy that he thought that he had maybe with him, Miles Bridges, that's been um, a, a, a very disappointing development in what's happened there. So if you're LaMelo, I certainly think you're like, well, where, where is my help? Where is the building here? And, you know, that is a concern. And, you know, we have seen players in his position, you know, you know there has been the top five picks in the past who tried to move out of a spot. Um, the classic example of that is uh, Chris F. Porzingis, who was taken fourth and requested a trade for the Knicks and got the trade. Um, but typically, you get that first uh, max contract. I have branded it the fun max. It's, mm-hmm. it's um, it, first off, it's a, it's a lesser amount of money than than guys who are in their mid twenties in the back of the year, at the back of their careers. It is usually the player signs it. Usually the player is in a good spot. Um, I don't think the Hornets can operate their lives worried about that, but they should operate their lives worried about not having executed bringing in players around LaMelo to to build because they they got the number two pick because they were a bad team. And here they are three years later, and they're still a bad team. It's ESPN NBA insider Brian Windhorst joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 FM. Brian, you mentioned Miles Bridges. He was arrested for felony domestic violence right before free agency. Now, eventually he would plead no contest, but he still isn't playing in the NBA. We've seen conflicting reports about negotiations between the Hornets and Clutch. The Hornets have actually said they were not in negotiations with the Charlotte Hornets, but it was in a weird way. They brought that like in an op-ed comment section almost where it was just very briefly put out there. What do you know about the negotiations between Charlotte or any franchise and Miles Bridges? My feel is that there will not be uh, clarity until the NBA's investigation is complete and they have decided on a direction. That's my feel, and it is not complete as far as I know. Um, I'm a little bit – I don't quite understand the strategy, um, why Miles didn't sign the qualifying offer that he could have, because um, the Hornets elected not to pull the qualifying offer. Um, They could have. They elected not to pull it, and then it became – um, that they couldn't pull it. And had he signed that qualifying offer, um, number one, he'd be getting paid um, because you know he wouldn't. He's not technically suspended yet. The NBA hasn't um, dropped. Um, you know, hasn't you know put down a suspension. Number two, he would be under contract on the roster. The, the the difficulty I'm sure that the Hornets have 
from a public relations standpoint, is entering into a contract with a with a player who's been accused of this. And you know, the the, the pleading is compl- complicated. I don't fully understand it. I don't have a law degree. Um, but had he signed that qualifying offer, that was actually in his hands, not in the Hornets' hands. And then he would have been on the roster, and it would have been a bit of a cleaner understanding of where to, where to go. So the fact that he didn't sign that and basically remains as a free agent, I think, complicates matters. But ultimately. I don't think you're going to see movement until the Hornets or any other team knows what sort of uh, punishment is coming from the league and what the league's ruling on the situation is. Well, and um, I, don't, I just don't know how that's going to play out. Well, yeah, and, and not to belabor this point, but you know, given whatever suspension might come down or disciplinary action, do you have any feel on whether it would be the Hornets only or, or how much competition do you expect for someone that before this arrest, I mean, Brian, it looked like maybe at the very least a conservative number to attach to him contractually was going to be like $25 million per year. That's a conservative number, it seemed like. No, I think the Hornets were prepared to give him a massive contract. I mean, I don't know if they were prepared to give him the max contract, but especially the way he played last season, I mean, you would want to invest in a player like that. Um, and uh, especially the way he played alongside LaMelo, um, for sure. You know, And so, look, I, don't, I only have surface-level understanding of right. what happened. So the, the Hornets and, and Clutch and the league are going to come up with that. But, um, you know, for as of right now, teams, you know, even if he was deemed as a, a candidate to be signed by another team, there's no teams that really have salary cap space right now. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, like, the, the Indiana Pacers, for example, uh, you know, could make an offer or something, but it doesn't make sense for them. So, it, you know, he's if he comes back this season – you know, it's almost certainly going to be with the Hornets. If he goes into next summer, then it becomes interesting. But um, again, he is obviously on in a situation where it is a very challenging thing for him, and it is emblematic of how this season has been a wrecking ball to the Hornets because they have been hit on a number of fronts. And you know, you don't, you know, Miles was is was restricted free agent. I'm sure the Hornets never planned in a million years not to have him, uh, at least for this season going forward. And so you don't have him, and then you have the, the injuries, and, you know, it's, it's, it's been impossible for them to compete at any meaningful level. And, um, you know, if you're a fan, you look and see, boy, there looks like there's four or five guys in this draft who could really be helpful. And so that's the NBA. You are you – are, um, protected by getting a high draft pick. And quite frankly, that's probably the best case scenario for the Hornets is that they get in the best position for a draft pick and try to um, recover from this season in that way. Brian, we talked about the draft picks and putting players around Melo and things of that nature. And one question I've always had, we know Michael Jordan and his popularity, the shoes and the way he's looked at by players, but how do players view Michael Jordan overall? Why don't more players want to come here and play for him? And has LaMelo made them more attractive in any way? Yeah, I mean, they, they haven't been a destination, which is unusual because Charlotte is a growing city. Uh, you know, it, Charlotte gets the reputation in the NBA as being a small market because it operates that way because Jordan's spending is on the bottom end. Um, but it's not a, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a very vibrant city. Um, I visit Charlotte regularly. I am very aware of the, of the, of the situation in Charlotte. 
and I would think it would be very attractive to players. So it is surprise. I mean, they're never going to, you know, they go head-to-head on a player with uh, the Lakers. They're probably not going to get that player. You're not going to be the Lakers. But you would think that there would be more of a, of an attraction there. now, and, and they have shown willingness to spend money in free agency, as the Hayward signing showed. Now, the one thing I will say about the Hornets, that there are two teams, in the NBA, who have never paid the luxury tax in the history of their of their team, and that is uh, the Hornets and um, the Pelicans, which are related, as you can mm-hmm. figure out. <laughs> and um, uh, it's actually going to be a, a, a very interesting thing to see whether you know this is probably the best team the Pelicans have ever put together, and they're going to get more expensive as some of their players come up. Whether they will pay the luxury tax there, and so I think if you have a question, if you're a star player considering Charlotte, and if you're also Lamelo, you know, like. Certainly, you know, Michael Jordan shouldn't be paying the luxury tax on a team like he's got right now. And, you know, Jordan doesn't get credit. It was a gutty call to not sign Kemba Walker to that extension coming off of his career season. They just said, we can't, we don't, we, in good faith, they couldn't sign him to it. And that was a good decision. Like, look where Kemba Walker is on the back end of that contract. That would have been a difficult spot for the horns to be in like so like i can't look you in the eye and say that you know there's been mistakes not to spend money but i will say this if you want to attract star players if you want to keep star players at some point you're going to have to put the guys around them and then pay for those guys and about nine out of every ten of the you know since the luxury taxes come in uh about 25 years ago I think about 90% of the, of the teams that have made the, have won the title have been taxpayers. And most of the teams who have made the, um, who have made the uh, finals have been taxpayers. Now, by the way, the, the, just last year, the Celtics were not taxpayers. So it's not like an absolute guarantee, but it's one of the things that you're going to want to know if you're investing yourself in the team going forward is if the spending is going to be there. And maybe it will be. Maybe Jordan hasn't done it because he hasn't felt he's had a team to do it yet. But that is, if you want the honest assessment, that is something that people are going to ask. Well, no, the MJ discourse around here has been fascinating during his entire ownership of the team. Now, one thing I've always wanted clarity on, really ever since uh, September, Brian, Bill Simmons of The Ringer, and of course the Bill Simmons podcast, which you've appeared on, he said something really interesting as it pertains to Charlotte in September, but said it in passing and just left us wondering what the hell was going on. Bill was talking about the sale of the Phoenix Suns and then amidst his point said, quote, you have Charlotte that's going to become available. And then that was kind of it. We didn't get anything else after that. Brian, we were all down here wondering what to do with that soundbite. Do you have any idea about Michael Jordan looking to sell the franchise? What is the, the reputation or some of the things surrounding that topic? I can't directly answer that question without risking being aggregated the same way that Bill would be. Um, so um, as far as I know, as of right now, the Hornets are not for sale. Gotcha. All right. Wes, you had one other one. Yeah, Brian, I wanted to know, like, what is the blueprint for the Hornets to become that contender one day? Is it the Memphis Grizzlies mode where you hopefully get a star like uh, John Morant and then keep drafting well and putting the the requisite pieces around him like Bane, et cetera? Exactly. I mean, uh, and I think at some point you're going to see the Grizzlies make some sort of move either through trade or through free agency, although they got burned trying to do that before with Chandler Parsons. But, you know, if you look at the picks that the, that the Grizzlies have made uh, in and around John Morant as the number two pick, I mean, they have hit on pick after pick 
after pick. They have hit on the 30th pick. They have hit on the fourth pick. They have hit um, trying to think where Brandon Clark was picked, like 21st. And like the, the Hornets, they traded in, like they traded into the draft to get Desmond Bay. And they traded into the draft to get Brandon Clark. Um, uh, they have repeated, I mean, they tra- I believe that they traded, they made a maneuver uh, to get Zaire Williams, who's a, a nice piece for them. And the Hornets have done the same thing. The Hornets have tried to do it. They've traded into the draft. I think they've traded for three. I mean, I can't, I can't say off the top of my head, but I think they've, they've traded for first extra first-round pitch picks each of the last two years, if I'm not mistaken. And then they traded in and got Richards a couple years ago. Like, they've followed that path. They just haven't hit on the picks. It's and, br- you know, that's a problem. Yeah, we appreciate the time. That's Brian Windhorse here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Brian, I promise we will not aggregate you. We will put up the interview <laughs> on the website, but we will not aggregate anything that you said today. We do appreciate the time. Thanks, that's fantastic Thanks. stuff. Take care, guys. Right. Absolutely. Brian Windhorse here, uh, part of ESPN NBA Insider, joining us on Wesson Walker. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, recap some of those comments, and give you a couple more segments. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Thanks to Brian Windhorse for joining us on Weston Walker. You know, wouldn't quite uh, give us anything on the Hornets for sale soundbite that we got from Bill Simmons, but that's what happened in September when he was on the Bill Simmons podcast. He was talking about the sale of the Phoenix Suns taking place and just how the evaluation of these teams have gone up exponentially and how these owners could cash out and make a ton because of what they bought the franchise for. Now it's worth, you know, billions of dollars. I forget, was it like $4 billion that the Suns are up for sale? Probably going to go for something like something that. crazy. It's, it's nuts, right? And, and that, that's in a huge city. It's in a great market in Phoenix. And so you can understand why, especially with the team actually being good now, or certainly not what they were when they were in the top five every single year in the NBA lottery. And so when Bill Simmons was talking about that, in passing, he said you had Charlotte that was going to become available. So we asked Brian, hey, is there anything you can tell us on the potential sale of the Charlotte Hornets? (laughs) Said, no, I don't want to get aggregated, which Brian Winhorst understands as much as anybody. You know, don't aggregate me. Right. Like it's the it's the thing that he's talked about quite a bit where people will run away with a comment, use it as reporting, and it gets perceived as maybe fact. But I think it spoke leaps and bounds. I think it spoke a lot about the potential sale of this team, Fiddy hung up the phone and said, well, the Charlotte Hornets are for sale. Like, it certainly seems like it very well is in a possibility where Michael Jordan could be sending it um, to somebody else and selling this franchise, looking to cash out, because any NBA franchise is going to be worth a lot more than what you originally paid for. It is just a situation to where it's not necessarily silence, but like they said, the phrase silence is golden. Mm-hmm. But that answer alone kind of tells you uh, where things are headed. It, it, it says, I know something, but I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. I mean, that's that's if pretty, there was nothing to tell you say hey, this not going to happen. That's just hearsay. Yeah. Pretty fascinating. I mean, the most important soundbite of that whole interview was something he didn't say. So most impressive there. Certainly that we'll be talking about. I'm, sh- I'm sure when we discuss the Hornets in the future, how nervous are you as a Charlotte Hornet fan, Homer diehard mm. that David Tepper buys, <laughs> bu- buys the team and then owns all oh. of owns all the professional sports team in the city. Monopoly. <laughs> it just, 
He's going to buy the Canes. He's going to buy everybody. He's going to buy the checkers. Yeah. If, if you buy the checkers, <laughs> just don't take away dollar beer night. That's the only thing I ask. You Could know? you imagine him and MJ in a, mo- in, in a room trying to break down the sell of the team? Because, you know, like, M- like MJ, you know, we refer to him as a cheap ass. So he's going to try to get every penny he can get out to really say he can show a profit. But, you know, Dave's a smart businessman. He'd probably try to shake him down and be like, hey, uh, you ain't never won a division title. Can I pay 1.2, Bill, and get the team? <laughs> the impressions, yeah, I, I hear bits and pieces from other impressions you do. I mean, it, you know, you, you have, I think, Willie P makes an, it makes an appearance for like half a second, and then you have other ones come in. That's what I feel like I hear when you do the David Tepper impression. I mean, Tepper is a man of the people, so, you know. He is. That's what he told us at the beginning. And then, of course, we forgot about the fact that he was the richest owner in the NFL at the time, and now he's dropped all the way down to second in the NFL. Yeah, I would hope that he wouldn't ruin the Hornets franchise, but... We got to go up, right? Hopefully we can get Victor Wembanyama, who we went to go see. Brian Windhorst went to go see in France. That guy's insane. The fact that he's a lot more polished than LeBron James, who was considered as polished a prospect coming out of high school as we've ever seen before. No mid-range jump shot, which he still doesn't have. That's just not true. It's just not true. <laughs> There's just lies. <laughs> you sit on a throne of lies. Thank you think you. he didn't want to go all out in his praise of Wembenyama and call him the greatest prospect ever, like a lot of people are, because of LeBron? I mean, maybe. Because Brian Windhorst, again, he he was covering LeBron very early on, and then he's just taken the most of the opportunity. What he's done now is, is incredibly impressive. Tapped into every situation you can think of with the NBA. So, yeah, maybe he was a little hesitant to say that. And why wouldn't you be? I mean, LeBron, the fact that... In my opinion, I'm talking to big LeBron haters here, so I'm not going to be backed up in anything I say. But the fact that you're talking about one of the best players of all time, somebody well, yeah, that lived, somebody that lived up to the expectations, and they were extremely lofty expectations. Yeah, Fitty's giving me a face. Let, let's move. I'd on. say he surpassed. I'd be frank with that. Well, he was the chosen. It's hard to surpass him because of how lofty they were. I think he surpassed. You, you might be right. You might be right. The cover on sports. When I saw him in high school, like I knew he was going to be a really great player. But to sit there, game one of mm-hmm. his rookie year, and if you list all of the superlatives that he's gotten to this point, especially. Him becoming the all-time leading scorer, potentially, you wouldn't have thought that was going to happen on game one. I mean, you could have told me that would have happened if he'd played with 10 All-of-Famer players to help him reach all those accolades. I point to Fiddy, (laughs) just to give you guys a peek behind the curtain, I point to Fiddy to see if he wants to say something and if he does it or not. Now, we don't have a lot of clarity on our nonverbal communication because then he just kind of looks away and thinks of something to say. (laughs) But when he does that, I know something smart is about to come out of his Mm -hmm. mouth. One, because it's Josh Fiddy Marlowe. The other is because LeBron is the topic of conversation. And so I just wait for it because you set it up so well. But I know you too well. I know what's coming about LeBron. And so I appreciate that. So that came across as a complimented insult. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take it and run with it because you've been really moody with me today. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, w- w- dude, when horse is great. I was telling you guys during the break, like when he went on his like two and a half minute soliloquy on ESPN's first take in the middle of the summer when everybody was off. That was the best two and a half minutes of TV. About they the probably, jazz trade? Yeah. Yeah. Because like he was basically telling you without telling you, hey, they're about to tank and I know it, but y'all don't know because I'm <laughs> I'm just so much smarter than you. Oh, and it yeah. was just awesome. And then we had like the meme of the summer, you know? I used that. Oh, I definitely used that. When the Hornets finally made a move and he held up the one finger, I said, finally, the Hornets get involved in one move and it was him. Why is that? Why? <laughs> 
Why would the Utah Jazz trade Royce O'Neal? Why is that? We got the goat of all of that here on Wesson Walker. We'll put it up on the website, WFNC.com. Let's talk some NFL playoffs. Carolina's not in it. I'd like to talk about the schedule ahead. So coming up on Saturday, we have your boys, Wes, San Francisco, hosting Seattle in the wild card. Should I even ask if you're scared? You're not scared of anybody. No, man, not at all. I fear no team. The only thing about Seattle is, you know, the three times in a season type of deal. And then just the fact that the 49ers are so hot, you get a little worried that the law averages might catch up. But this could be a historic run. I told you guys, I'm not the Homer fan that says my team is going to win the Super Bowl every year. But I felt about this team when Jimmy Garoppolo came back into that huddle. I said, I texted my boy, and that's a 49er fan. I said, here we go. We go with about 60 O's behind it because I felt this team was special. I felt it was a Super Bowl championship team if they put Jimmy Garoppolo back in. So, no, I'm not scared of the Seahawks. I think they'll handle business. There are some things that could play in Seattle's favor intangibly, but I think the 49ers are focused. They're locked in, and they're going to come out and pound the Seahawks. There's going to be some inclement weather there in the Bay Area tomorrow afternoon. A rookie quarterback at some point is going to show up. Doesn't worry you at all against a division rival that, you know, a win of knocking out San Francisco makes their season all the more impressive than what it already is? I'm not going to say that uh, Seattle has no chance, but just the fact of San Francisco runs the ball as good or better than anybody and then that defense. And the 49ers have so many weapons. It's so easy to make that game plan uh, winnable for Brock Purdy with everything around him. It would just have to be a game where everything that could go wrong, going wrong for them to lose. I do think with Geno Smith throwing the ball downfield as much, as accurately, as much as he has this season, he's had as pretty of the deeper passes in the NFL from any quarterback. And so if he goes nuclear like that and he's just really on his game, as crazy as it might seem, I think they do have somewhat of a shot here, especially with your outside weapons. I think nuclear going to be him getting caught into the locker room. I'll, I'll, tell, you, nuclear. I'll, I'll tell you that. Um <laughs> <laughs> Brock Purdy, I almost trust San Francisco more with Brock Purdy than I do Jimmy Garoppolo. That's fine. I love Brock, too. Yeah. No, he's but, because he's the one that can actually throw that. You you do more with him. I mean, Kyle Shanahan opens it up a little bit more where you're throwing on the edges. You're throwing to the outside where, Jimmy, you're just kind of throwing within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. I don't I mean, know about that. They are. I mean, you see some of the stats. The first couple of games Brock Purdy had outside the number passes in just like two games, and it was as much as Jimmy Garoppolo had had, I believe, in a Kyle Shanahan system because of the just the way that he can play. That I like Brock Purdy, man. It's a lot of fun to watch him in that Kyle Shanahan offense. So no worry from you. A little bit of worry from Fiddy. So I would expect still, even with Geno Smith playing well, I still think San Francisco will move on. What about Jacksonville hosting the Chargers? A lot of people like L.A. because of all the talent. But Fiddy, we'll start with you because I know you think if the Chargers lose this game, no Mike Williams playing in this one. So you're without a down field outside threat if the chargers lose you're firing brandon staley do you think it happens uh yes i i do think the chargers lose i trust doug peterson more in this situation i i trust trevor lawrence more than i trust justin herbert he's been the best quarterback in the league since week nine of the nfl season they have a lot of weapons that defense which i got to see really for the first time last year or last week was really fast and really physical I think they get the job done, and then because Brandon Staley's a dumbass, he'd be fired. 
What do you think, Wes? I'm going Jacksonville at home. My boy Trev, Travis Etienne, is doing his thing. As Fiddy said, that defense making plays, but I think just Jacksonville, they are as hot as any team, almost as hot as my Niners right now. I'm not saying that trying to be home or whatever, but the Jaguars have been hot down the stretch. I think this is a confident football team at home in front of that crowd. They'll be ready to go. Yeah, I trust the coaching of Jacksonville more. I don't like their offense with the Chargers. I love the skill players. I don't like the way that offense is called. I think Justin Herbert needs to be unleashed a lot more. But you do have Keenan Allen. Austin Eckler is fantastic. I, I think the Chargers actually get this win, but I do love Doug Peterson, love Trevor Lawrence, and would be happy if Jacksonville found a way to move on. Let's go to the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. Anyway, Miami can pull off this upset. I'll tell you right now, I think the Bills cruise. Yeah, not a chance in hell. Yeah, I think, I uh, think they get the job done. Yeah, poor poor Skylar Thompson. Like it, it'll be fun. This is this is the same thing as Connor Cook starting a game. This is Joe Webb starting a game for Minnesota. That's what you're <laughs> getting from Skylar Thompson. Is there any belief from you, Fiddy, that the Dolphins can pull off the upset? Oh, there's reason to believe because Josh Allen, since week six of the NFL, has been a bottom third quarterback in the National Football League. He's turnover prone. He he he's too risky with the football. I don't think it happens, but I think Miami's going to be motivated to go in there and play and play really well. I like the Bills, but I think it'll be a one-possession game. So with you saying that Josh Allen has been a bottom third quarterback in the league, do you think that Derek Carr is a better quarterback overall than Josh Allen? Do I think he's a better quarterback overall than than Josh Allen? No. Do I trust Derek Carr more than I trust Josh Allen? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I was wondering where that was going to go. And it and, hit right on the music. Yeah, it did. And and also, like, when Derek Carr loses in the playoffs, does he go whine and complain to the NFL to change the rules? No, that's what Josh Allen did. And now we got uh, playoff rules that are just outrageous because, you know, keep teams that can't win the game in 60 minutes, they want it to be fair in overtime if their defense gives up a touchdown. Minnesota Giants, they'll be playing on Sunday at 430 you think Minnesota can get this win at home against New York West? I think that they will. Uh, I'm going to go Vikings. I think that offense, you know, they, they, they struggled at the end of the season playing against Green Bay. But I think the Vikings at home in that dome, Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson will be gritty and take the Vikings. Are you going with the Minnesota Vikings at home against the Giants? Yes, because the Giants that we've seen since Thanksgiving on, that's who they are. They're not a good football team. They're a well-coached team. Brian Dayball's a really good coach. But and if, if I'm a Giant fan, do you want to win this game? Because then you almost have to invest in Daniel Jones. The guy takes you on the road and wins a playoff game against a 12-win football team. I think Minnesota wins. It'll be close because they have they're not in, they're not capable of blowing out mediocre teams. That's what the Giants are. Yeah, for some reason Minnesota will choke too. I mean, we've seen them come back a yeah. lot, and I get that, but you can't continue to do that now that you're playing teams that are either there because of their talent or are there because of how well coached they are. And you might think the latter for the New York Giants, but it doesn't mean that they're going to allow you to come back if you get down 14 points at halftime. I just don't trust Minnesota. I'm going to trust my gut. Oh, upset. Give me Giants. Give me the Giants to win. And it's not because I have all this belief in Daniel Jones. I've just seen Minnesota just be so weird all season long. I I trust Brian Dayball a lot more. Two more games to go. Cincinnati hosting Baltimore. No Lamar Jackson. It would have been a fun matchup between these two division rivals. But I think Cincinnati moves on. And talking about guys I do trust, 
it, I trust Joe Burrow a lot as one of the more prolific passers and one of the guys that is a big-time player. I'm with you 100%. I think the Bengals handle business against the Ravens. This would be a huge upset if they lost this game, but Bengals are rolling, taking Cincinnati. Joe Burrow's your guy, Fiddy. I can't imagine you're going against him. Yeah, no, and they're going to be starting, at worst, a second-string quarterback, maybe a third-string quarterback. Who day? going to roll the Ravens. Um, uh, finally, Tampa Bay hosting your Dallas Cowboys. Fetty, we'll start with you once again. <laughs> this is kind of the game that you see them losing. Um, oh, I want to lose. Yeah, because you want Mike McCarthy gone. Oh, I want Mike McCarthy gone, and I want Dak Prescott traded away. They're losers. We're never going to win anything with them. So you think they're going to lose this game? Oh, yes. Tom Brady has never lost to the Cowboys. He doesn't want to go out and what could be his final game in Tampa Bay at home. I don't think it's close. Okay. Wes, do you think it's close and do you think Tampa Bay wins? Listen, man, we're talking about 12. This is playoff time. This is the time. All this stuff that happened during the regular season at home and not at home. It doesn't matter anymore because this is what he does. This is why he is the GOAT. This is why he is Captain America. Cowboys backing into the playoffs, going into the house of 12, and you think you're going to beat him in the playoffs? Hell no! I'm taking Tampa. Give me the Dallas Cowboys. I'm the only one with faith in America's team. I think Dallas gets it done against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That'll do it for our playoff preview, giving you some predictions, and we can talk about that game on Monday night as well once we come back from the weekend and recap it all. Now it's time for the last Fitty Flash of the day before we get to the final segment of the day. What you got, Fitty? <sighs> What's going on, man? You okay? The Packers general manager, Brian Gutekist, has said that they, they're they not ready to move on from Aaron Rodgers. So I hope we are prepared for another saga offseason filled with an overrated quarterback holding one of the premier franchises of the National Football League hostage. I thought they set this contract up to where when we got through this season, they could just agree to part ways. But it appears that they're not done with him, and I don't think he's done with them because I think when it's all said and all said and done, he'll be back in Lambeau Field losing big games. I mean, he's owed fifty-eight million, I believe, on that deal. So that's another factor as well. I think a reporter asked him about that. How, how would he be able to turn down so much money? So I think that's a factor for Rodgers, the Packers, for whatever reason. They just enjoy losing uh, when it counts the most, so they want him to come back. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all, and who cares? They're just losing, disappointed, underwhelmed like they always do. Yeah, maybe to your 49ers because it's happened a couple of times oh, God, before. I get so, so tired of sending him packing. It doesn't make any sense. You you would want the easier route. You'd think you want all the smoke, though. That's what We're West scared wants. of nobody. Yeah, you aren't. I either. mean, you've seen what we've done the last... Five, six, seven years going to Lambeau when it's negative 30. How many Super Bowls you got? I mean, against That's Green okay. Bay. We've been there twice. Yeah. Don't start with that, Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'd rather not go there and not and lose than get there and lose. No, nah, I'd rather go there and be relevant and play tight classic games because they were two classic games. All right, let's discuss a little more of this and maybe go with what happened on this day in sports history next on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 FM.
One final segment on Weston Walker. Thanks to Joe Person for joining us. Also, Brian Winhorst at the beginning of the 2 o'clock hour. You can find those interviews on the website, WFNZ.com. We appreciate you for texting into the Garage Door Guru text line, hanging out with us today. We'll give it over to Kyle Bailey in just a moment. Do you want to discuss what's on tap today, though? And I don't know if you're going to have the ability to watch it, but we have your son's game tonight, Wes. Is no, it again? Sunday. Oh, Sunday, this Sunday, weekend. But so it's, it's saying, yes, on it, tap for this weekend. It's happening this weekend. What kind of breakdown can you give us about this game happening on Sunday? Well, I just can't wait to see how he'll follow up his career high, 24 points from last week. And they didn't keep score because they said it was the first game. It was their first time all being together. So this week they'll be keeping score. The games are going to start to count. So, you know, I can't wait to see how he'll uh, follow that up. Fiddy just had an all-time stink face at that. Really? It's like, really? You're not yeah, keeping score? Yeah, sure I didn't you... like that either. Mm-hmm. I was sitting there, I was like, this is dumb. But... What does the world come to these days, Fiddy? What's going on? We're soft. That's what we are. Oh, you really you really want me to start? Because, Let's go. You Let's know... go ahead and get the WBT show going. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. With one Josh Fiddy Marlowe. What uh-huh. would... Yeah, I... Maybe we don't do this. We're so close to the weekend. Let's just leave it away. I, I do want to know what your your radio name would be because it wouldn't be Fitty. It would be something else if you went to BT. I, I don't know what kind of Joshua Marlowe. Yeah, yeah. you go about a fool. You just go. Oh no, I'd just be the Reverend. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's true. Because I'm always preaching facts. You're the Reverend. I don't know if you're preaching facts. <laughs> All right, let's go to the week that was on Wesson Walker. With a couple of different sound bites throughout the lead, or throughout the week, trying to figure out what the best moments were. Floor's yours, Fiddy. What you got for us? All right. Let's go back to, I believe this was Monday's show. We got into another argument, this time not about J.C. Horn, but if uh, Sam Darnold should be this team's starting quarterback next year. And uh, my voice quit on me. But it's not like Sam was insane in that game. I mean, that's that's the thing. It just can't prohibit you from acquiring a QB if you like a Will Levis, if you like an Anthony Richardson. Like, yes, it wh- does. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys that don't guy, make sense. That, 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 that broke some glass. I did. Wes is making fun of you is the best part of that. Play it one more time if you can. The fact that you have a voice that quits on you and then Wes Bryant makes fun of it. But it's not like Sam was insane in that game. I mean, that's that's the thing. It just can't prohibit you from acquiring a QB if you like a Will Levis, if you like an Anthony Richardson. Like, yes, it wh- does. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys that don't guy, that make sense. That, 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 broke some, that broke some glass. That did. <laughs> that, that did. That's not like a cat. I don't know what that was, a dying one at that. All right, what's next? Um, so the other day we were doing Second Take Tuesday. Taking a second look back at uh, Steve Wilkes' tenure as the interim head coach of the Carolina Panthers, you wanted to know the highs, the lows, and you literally took up every answer, and Wes took umbrage to that. (laughs) All right, biggest accomplishment overall for Steve Wilkes, and it doesn't have to be a game, right? It can be the improvement and succeeding with Sam Darnold in those six games. It can be the rushing defense. It can be (laughs) allowing Deontay Foreman to flourish. It could be a whole bunch of different stuff. Well, good Lord, you took everything we could say, eight mile. Tell these people something they don't know about them. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly what that was. I did go eight mile. I I tossed you the mic, and you didn't have anything to say. I was like, uh, okay. 
I was tossing that was a good it, one. Yeah, tossing it to Papa Doc, man. Didn't have anything. Right. And Claire's <laughs> parents had a real good marriage. Right. All right, Fiddy, what else you got for us? Well, then later in the week, me and Wes got into, uh, I think it was an argument about his 49ers. And he oh, kept referring yeah. to me as a certain word, which led to a show-wide debate if this, if this word was offensive <laughs> or not. Stetson's been in college for like two mm-hmm. damn decades. Yeah, yeah, well, like I said, try again, buddy. Yeah. All right, you quit calling me buddy. Yeah, uh, yeah there you buddy, go. Oh. Buddy, 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 buddy. It is getting <laughs> We're bickering, and we an old couple, huh? <laughs> I'm sorry. Get the it's rocking chairs out. Wait, play that one more time because that is as disrespectful as it gets when you say, stop calling me buddy, and then Wes gets in your face and does it three more times. Stetson's been in college for like mm-hmm. two damn decades. Yeah, yeah, well, like I said, try again, buddy. Yeah. All right, you quit calling me buddy. And, uh, yeah, there you buddy, go. Oh. Buddy, 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 buddy. It is getting bigger, <laughs> We an old couple, huh? I'm sorry, man. Get the rocking chairs out. That's that, that we- when you've been together for a long time and, and, and nothing disrespectful, but you do something annoying to your girl or you, or you do something annoying to her and you tell her to stop and then they just go off and get mad and do whatever it is you said a bunch of times in a row. Parents are fighting again. That leads to divorce. <laughs> buddy, when you get straight up in the grill and call them that five times. Which that- we really did not. People walkers embellishing. I'm just telling you right now, it was brutal. It continued during the break. It got really ugly. I just hope that they're able to mend fences 100%. I, yeah, you better because if he leaves my ass, I'm coming to, you know, cuddle up with you. No, no. All right, never mind. I'll take everything (laughs) I said back. What's the next soundbite we got? All right, and then we go to yesterday's show, the show, everyone's favorite segment. Not just on the Weston Walker show, Uh Mm -hmm. but on Sports Radio WFNZ. (laughs) Fire or fizzle? Is that right? And Wes brought the fire when talking about his guy, Tim Tebow. I have a feeling I know where this is going, but I still have to ask. Fire or fizzle for Mr. Tebow. When I talk about what this man means to me, when I talk about quarterbacks I would love to play for, it doesn't get more serious than Timothy Tebow. When you talk about the locker room speeches, you have never seen a player that will come out and play as hard as I will play the rest of the season. You'll never see a co-host that will come out and host the way that I do besides Walker Mail. Thank you. The only sophomore to win the Heisman Trophy, Sullivan Award, Davey O'Brien Award, and Maxwell. First player in NCAA history to rush and pass for at least 20 touchdowns in a season. Two national championships, Heisman Trophy. Listen, I already let you in on this. When it comes to Tim Tebow, he is straight. Fire, get the Bibles and the footballs out. Praise the Lord for Tim Tebow. <laughs> That's the reverend. That had to make you feel as at home as anything, Fiddy. That was the reverend preaching about Tim Tebow. We had so many people writing about that, how much they loved that soundbite about Tim Tebow. Plus, we had the Cam Newton one. I don't know which one was better. Yeah. That's why Swag uh, Daddy. That's why you go check it out on uh, WFNZ Instagram and on our and FNZ 